for love nor money. <laughs> I remember one time driving from. All it did was cost me money. <laughs> yeah. I think I drove from Rapid City to St. Louis once. Oh, my Straight gosh. through one time. Yeah. That was a long one. Yeah. That's a poke. Stand by. Tension stations, here is the promo. Tuesday on Adams and Agriculture, I'll be broadcasting from the opening day of the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. We'll have the latest on the show, plus discuss issues such as trade, renewable fuels, and crop production. Be sure to join us Tuesday on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a great weekend. We kick off this last week of August. We talked about last week being a busy news week. Well, we pick right up this week. Much the same. We have trade news to talk about, a deal with Japan, talks perhaps going to start up again with China. We're going to talk about all that with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Weather, some more rain moving across the Midwest. We'll talk about that with Mike Palmerino with DTN. National Pork Producers Council has uh, won a uh, uh, in a court case against HSUS over, and maybe you'd forgotten about this going on, but uh, the uh, court has ruled in favor of the National Pork Producers Council in its appeal to dismiss a lawsuit that was brought by HSUS, the court rejecting HSUS's attempt to advance an anti-meat activist agenda through a, a suit that was designed to go against the U.S. Uh, pork producers uh, over, uh, if you'll recall, the purchase of the NPP from NPPC by the National Pork Board, the trademark that went with pork, the other white meat campaign, and uh, that became a big issue. Wound up in court. The latest ruling in favor of uh, the National Pork Producers Council, so we'll get the latest on that. And we're going to talk some trade. You know, we talk a lot about corn and soybeans and ethanol and, and wheat and pork and beef, but uh, some other um, commodities are very much impacted by these trade disputes, including the apple industry. And we're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association a little bit later on about some trade issues as well. So lots to talk about to kick off a new week. And this is, of course, also Farm Progress Show Week, and tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll be broadcasting from the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. So a busy week ahead. Let's start it off now with the Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Dave Salmonson. Dave, thank you for joining us. Let's start with the, the really good news. It looks like we have a deal, an ag deal done with Japan. What do we know about it? Well, it does look like a really good deal. Um, so far, what we've learned, and again, as they say, this is an agreement in principle. Uh, expect this to be finalized and hopefully signed uh, the end of next month in New York when both Presidents uh, Trump and Abe are there for the U.N. General Assembly meetings. And from what we know, it seems to be that uh, Japan has agreed to include the U.S., might you might say, or extend to the U.S., the tariff reductions that they already have given to the European Union and to the other uh, TPP countries. Um, so lower tariffs uh, on you know, beef and pork and uh, all kinds of uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, trying to get some better treatment also on dairy products. I think that's still an ongoing discussion, but we'll see where that ends up. So um, 
kind of a, a reprise of some of the uh, tariff reductions that we'd had when the U.S. was part of TPP. Those have come back in. Um, we also heard that there could be uh, Japan looking to make some additional purchases of corn um, products. That's certainly good news for, for that industry. We'll see how much uh, that ends up being, but those are all good announcements. And on the U.S. side, it uh, looks to be that the whole issue of additional auto tariffs uh, has been put aside for now, at least, or at least maybe for the Japanese side probably forever. So that seems to have been the trade-off uh, on those issues with Japan. So we wait for all the details, but the, the benchmarks seem to be coming into this. Would it get us at least back to where we would have been had we, been, had we stayed in TPP? Does it look like that's the case? It does. Uh, what we're looking for and it's, uh, is to make sure that when the, this does come into effect, whenever it does, hopefully early this fall after they sign off on it, um, that the U.S. will go into the same tariff levels as the other countries. That's called a catch-up provision. That's something the U.S. wanted, the Japanese agreed to. So we'll be in there uh, the same tariff levels uh, as our competitors. Um, again, we'll have access to those markets, but the uh, Japanese market but so have the other countries, like in EU countries, uh, Australia, Mexico, Canada, that are part of the TPP uh, arrangement. So we'll be in there at the same tariff levels as them. And that was the real concern and why we wanted this uh, deal done as soon as possible, that we kept falling behind. You know, we were at the old tariff levels, and they were getting preferential treatment. So very good news. And, again, hopefully it all comes to be, but it looks like it's, uh, uh, you know, on course to uh, have a really good deal with Japan, much, much needed. Now, when we turn to China, last week the news was pretty negative. Uh, now, as we start off this week, uh, a glimmer of hope as there's uh, talk of maybe uh, another meeting between the U.S. and China and things picking back up again. Yeah, we're hearing that from uh, from the president at the G7 meeting over in France. Uh, it certainly was a lot of uh, news over the last three, four days, starting on Friday. If you remember, China said they would retaliate against the uh, tariffs that the U.S. is going to impose on about uh, almost $300 billion of Chinese imports starting on September 1st with some tariffs on some amount of that and then more on December 15th. So last Friday, China said they would put increased tariffs on $75 billion of U.S. exports to China. Uh, some on September 1st, others on December 15th. Um, agriculture was included, soybeans, uh, pork, beef, chicken, other products in September, I guess some other products in December. So then the uh, administration said, well, they didn't like that very much, and so they announced that uh, existing tariffs that we have on uh, $200 billion of Chinese imports at 25% would go up to 30% on October 1st. And the 10% tariff on those Chinese imports on September 1st now would be increased to 15%. So we saw a lot of tariff escalation in just a short bit of time uh, at the end of last week. And now we're hearing they uh, maybe they'll get back to talks. Um, you know, maybe this is all part of the whole negotiating uh, enterprise. And maybe they can get together and uh, start talking again towards an ultimate deal. We certainly hope that's the case. All we have to have is a rumor that they're going to talk again, and that gets the markets excited. Well, it certainly does. Uh, you know, we've had such a uh, sense both ways there with uh, more barriers and maybe a chance to ultimately make a deal. So whether that's part of the, the approach to try to get a deal, I don't know. But it certainly is uh, potentially uh, increasing tariff barriers to U.S. ag exports. Real quick, Dave, and now we'll look forward to when, uh, how quickly Congress may take up USMCA when they get back uh, next month from their recess. Well, I think we're looking uh, favorably on that for hopefully that these negotiating groups that have been working and they've still worked all through this August resource at recess at the staff level can come to some agreements that the uh, political leadership in the House and in the White House can sign off on, and we can move ahead to this and have a vote uh, sooner rather than later this fall. All right. Thanks, Dave. Lots to lots going on with trade. Thanks for the update. Okay. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So good news indeed. An ag trade deal with Japan. It's not formal yet, but uh, it sure looks like it's about to happen now as the 
it has been tentatively announced, and that is indeed some good news. Some good news uh, for folks needing some rain, more rain moving across the Midwest. We'll talk about it with Mike Pomerino with DTN. That's up next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us now to talk ag issues is Executive Vice President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Dale Moore. Dale, how are you? I'm very good, Mike. I, I heard Rusty's update on the markets, and it's nice to hear at least a little bit of positive news kind of coming yeah. back in after we had a rough start to the week. We need some positive news for sure, and I guess that's a good place to start because it seems like most of the news in agriculture right now is negative. What are you hearing from your members across the country? Well, it's that uh, ongoing series of, of frustrations of how difficult it is to get some of these trade issues sorted out. You know, there's a lot of appreciation uh, you know, expressed relative to the president and Secretary Purdue's efforts to provide some trade assistance authority on top of, you know, getting the new farm bill implemented, getting uh, the process on the disaster bill. Those, you know, a lot of work going on at those FSA offices trying to help folks out. But man, what we would really love to see is some resolution. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. In the fight against resistant weeds, you need to be prepared to fight back with the best possible herbicide rotation available. Kick off your soybean spray program with Syngenta's pre-emergence residual herbicides, Boundary or Broadaxe XC. Follow that with the hard-hitting post-emergence knockdown and residual herbicide Flexstar GT 3.5, and you'll be giving your soybean fields the protection they need to win the fight against weeds. To learn more, visit your local Syngenta retailer. Always read and follow label instructions when using Syngenta products. Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Mike, thank you for being with us. Uh, I woke up this morning here in West Central Illinois, and we'd had uh, good rain overnight. How widespread was it? It was very widespread in the state of Illinois, uh, Mike. It looks like you're, you know, you're looking at about a half inch to one and a half inches locally heavier. Uh, it came out of Missouri, so it sort of took a southern route, and uh, much of that rain also fell uh, throughout the plains. We had similar amounts, really, from uh, uh, the Texas Panhandle clear on up into North Dakota. So here this latter part of August, we've had cooler weather and some wetter weather. Is that going to continue into September? Well, I think that the cooler pattern will clearly we're going to be on the cool side this week. Right now, uh, cautiously optimistic that next week will not be as cool as this week. It won't be hot, 
but rather than having temperatures several degrees below normal as we're going to have this week, uh, next week we could see temperatures a little bit closer to normal. But, you know, that's still very concerning. We've got a, a late, late crop out there, Mike, and they just can't afford uh, to continue to, you know, slow on, uh, on uh, growing degree day accumulations. They need more growing degree days. Yeah, it's more comfortable for us, but uh, these cooler temperatures this early are concerning. And, uh, you know, we're losing daylight, too. So it's, uh, you know, with, as you mentioned, a crop that's trying to uh, get to the finish line, uh, these, these uh, developments don't really help that. Not at all. You know, I think that clearly, you know, we still have some dryness issues in the central and eastern belt from southeastern Iowa on eastward, but we're helping that out right now. If, if this crop was on a normal uh, progression here, this weather would actually be pretty favorable. But with the lateness of this crop and the continued cool weather, you know, every week you look for signs that the crop's going to catch up a little bit on the progress numbers, and it really never does. So, this is going to be, you know, just so critical uh, when we see that first freeze in the fall, because even a normal freeze, which in the heart of the Midwest is generally about the first week of October, uh, that would be damaging. And anything that happens potentially in September could be very damaging. Mm-hmm. What areas are still really, really wet? Well, the areas that are wet, surprisingly, are more in the western portions um, of the belt and into the plains. You know, they're having some issues in areas like uh, central Nebraska, uh, on into central Kansas, central Oklahoma. Uh, You know, not the heart of the Corn Belt, but uh, areas that have been very, very wet and had... uh, some uh, moderate to uh, heavy rains over the weekend, you know, in a way that's uh, kind of a double-edged sword. Some of those areas are actually winter wheat areas, and, uh, you know, that's going to be recharging moisture uh, for the winter wheat crop, which will uh, start to get planted in September. Now we've got another tropical storm to watch. Dorian, what do you see there? Yeah, it looks like that system will develop into a hurricane, and it is headed for the eastern Caribbean. Uh, No signs right now that it's going to be of any concern to uh, the Midwest or anything. Uh, But, you know, clearly it could be of concern to lives and property as we move into the latter part of the week in some of those eastern Caribbean islands and, and, you know, potentially into areas like Puerto Rico. So after all that's happened there, you know, I'm sure everyone's going to be on high alert uh, with the concern about tropical systems getting active again. Does that pump any moisture to the mainland? No, if anything, it may actually steal some moisture. As the tropics get active, in general, uh, you see less moisture Uh, in the mainland. So I I would look at things actually quieting down a little bit here as the tropics get more active. The only way you really get a lot of moisture from a tropical, of course, is if you get, you know, if you're in the path of its motion. But if it's sitting out over the open oceans or even in the Gulf, it, it tends to steal moisture from its surroundings. So here we are the last week of August, looking ahead to September you see any major weather patterns shaping up? Well, I, at this point, I don't, but it's all going to hinge on that first freeze. And unfortunately, you know, as I was uh, mentioning to Bryce uh, last week, it's, it's impossible to draw a 32-degree line on the first freeze because it just doesn't work that way. You get pockets of cold weather based on lack of cloud, lack of wind. But, you know, that's really going to be front and center here. We do expect to see a little bit of of patchy frost and light freeze conditions in the prairies over the next seven days. But that is not unusual for this time of the year, and it won't be a killing freeze. But the way these patterns have been going, uh, really all growing season, Mike, I would be surprised if we don't see a freeze threat into the Midwest uh, sometime during the latter half of September, 
or early October. I, I just think it, uh, it's practically, you know, as I was saying last week, in, in this business, you can say there's like an 80% probability of something happening in a longer-range forecast. That's a very, very high probability. And I, I would put those kind of numbers on the likelihood that we are going to see damaging cold uh, in the northern plains, northwest corn belt, and we'll see how things go in the eastern belt where they're furthest behind. But I think the vulnerability this year is just tremendous uh, to cold weather, and I think we're going to see some. Yeah, that becomes the weather focus now because many places, not all, but many places that needed another rain or two to kind of help uh, finish things out, especially with beans, uh, been getting those rains, and now the focus really turns to uh, how soon that first frost comes because uh, as we've all as we all know it's still pretty green out there and uh, the crop has a ways to go well of course you mentioned bryce bryce anderson's on his way to decatur illinois i'll be headed there tomorrow a lot of people will be coming in for the farm progress show this week in decatur it looks like the weather's going to be pretty good for attending a farm show yeah it does you know we actually once we get by this rain here in the next 24 hours or so we're actually looking at uh, a pretty decent week here with uh, cool temperatures and, and generally dry conditions. So, you know, very comfortable for, uh, for people. This is, you know, beautiful weather from a comfort perspective, but not great if you're trying to, uh, you know, move crops along in development. Right. Uh, I'm a little over an hour from Decatur, and uh, rain we've had overnight, with rain expected again tonight. Hopefully that won't... Uh, uh, cause any problems with their field demos at last word they are still on so uh, we'll have an update on that tomorrow here on Adams on Agriculture when we talk with show director Matt Youngman all right before we let you go uh, Mike Pomerino any uh, big weather developments around the globe we should be watching I uh, you know not really um, we're you know, clearly we're going to be gearing up to South America again as, as we head into their spring season. That, that's going to be huge, uh, what's happening down there in Brazil and Argentina. Right now, you know, too early to say much uh, uh, more than that, but, but that's going to be a, uh, a really, really big deal down there, I think, to watch that South American weather as we go forward. The rest of the world's in, in, in pretty good shape. You know, we've had big monsoon rains in India, uh, China's had a good summer with, with a lot of moisture. Europe had the heat earlier, but now they've been kind of cool and unsettled recently, so that bodes well for their, uh, for their winter crops. And Russia? Russia's had an outstanding year, Mike. They have uh, had virtually no dryness and, uh, you know, very timely moisture, uh, uh, no severe heat. The only real drought issues have been in the uh, spring wheat areas. They've had some issues in, in parts of uh, Kazakhstan and the Urals. They've lost a little wheat in there, a little spring wheat. But in terms of uh, uh, corn and, and beans in, in areas like, you know, Ukraine, South Russia, uh, it's been an outstanding summer. All right, Mike, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino sitting in for Bryce Anderson, who's on his way to Decatur, Illinois, for the Farm Progress Show. Bryce will be uh, speaking uh, at the show all three days. Next, uh, uh, this, these next three days coming up, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'll be broadcasting for the Farm Progress Show site as well. Look forward to seeing a lot of folks there at the show. And weather does look very, very good for those attending the show. Well, a big court victory for the pork industry against HSUS. We'll tell you all about it coming up next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Hey, Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. 
unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, Waterhemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. All eyes were on President Trump over the weekend as he attended the Group of Seven Summit in France, with Trump saying that it is possible he would consider delaying or canceling planned tariffs on Chinese goods. Without a deal, a 10% tariff on roughly $111 billion in Chinese goods would go into effect on September 1st. Although grain futures on the board of trade rose overnight, led by soybeans, which were up 1.3%, traders are not convinced that they should be optimistic after Trump's latest statement. Although China is reported saying they are not seeking to elevate tensions and want to resolve the trade rift. Traders watching the news of the trade talk, but also traders watching temperature forecasts closely for the month of September. An early frost is about the only event left that could impact supply at this stage in crop development. September soybeans down two and a fraction of a cent at 357 and a half cent. September soybeans up six cents at 849 and a quarter of a cent. September Minneapolis spring wheat down two and a half at 467 and a quarter of a cent. Kansas City wheat September down three quarters of a cent at 390 and three quarters of a cent. Chicago wheat September a penny and a quarter of a cent lower at 474. For livestock at the Merck, in live cattle futures, August up 30 cents at 104.97. August feeders up 60 at 137.95. October lean hogs, $2.50 higher at 61.77. Feeder cattle placements fell 2% on Friday's cattle on feed report from a year ago levels. This is not only below the market estimates, but well below the expected range of estimates. Tightening cattle supplies are expected to be a long-term supportive move to the cattle complex. In the outside markets, the Dow was 138 points higher, the NASDAQ composite up 47. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rall for the American Ag Network. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the pork industry, among those celebrating a trade deal with Japan, but also celebrating a court victory over HSUS. This all goes back to uh, the trademark of pork, the other white meat, and HSUS's attempted challenge to the National Pork Board's 2006 purchase from the National Pork Producers Council of uh, the trademarks associated with pork, the other white meat campaign. Let's talk about this now with Michael Formica with the National Pork Producers Council. Michael, thanks for being with us. Uh, some people might have almost forgot about this. It's been going on so long, but you know, court cases take a while. But uh, this one has turned out uh, in the favor of the National Pork Producers Council. Tell us about it. Well, thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, it has, it's, been go, it's been going on. A while, but it hasn't been going on as long as the gap 
between when the contracts were signed and when HSUS many, 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 many years later decided to sue over this. And after uh, after a lot of twists and turns, we uh, we were given a pretty decisive win uh, late last week. What was the behind this? I mean, basically, you have the National Pork Board purchasing the trademarks from the other white meat campaign. Uh, why was this uh, in contention? Why did the HSUS uh, file this suit in the first place? Well, I, 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 I don't really know why HSUS did what they did. Uh, I, I assume it's because the other white meat, pork the other white meat, is one is is widely considered one of the three or four greatest brand name taglines in in advertising marketing history, and it is it has been responsible for uh, the growth of a of a robust and and strong pork industry in this country. It has sold a lot of pork, uh, and it it is still you know highly highly associated with pork. Even even forget millennials. Even amongst younger kids, my, my, my children's age, here in, in suburban Washington, D.C., everybody knows what the other white meat is. They, they, all, they all know pork is the other white meat. And if you're HSUS and your goal is to stop people from eating meat, um, you might want to undermine these, you know, these advertising campaigns and, and the ability of pork producers, of, of farmers, to uh, market themselves to to American and international consumers, and and so I I suspect that's ultimately what was what was driving this. But in the particular case itself, HSUS and you know and uh, another activist group ICCI, um, they they found a, a single activist farmer, and and they they allege that the the sale of pork the other white meat was harming this guy that somehow the pork board in in their mind the pork board could have better spent their money elsewhere not promoting pork um and you know giving him a better return on the dollar and and the court finally it 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 took long enough time but the the court of appeals here rejected that outright and said this guy failed to show any any harm. He doesn't have a right to complain. Um, he didn't show that he lost money. He didn't show that the campaign was unsuccessful. In, in fact, it was the opposite of that. It's the, it's one of the all-time great marketing campaigns in, in history. Um, and and without showing the, that financial harm, he doesn't have a right to challenge this contract. And so they've dismissed the case. So you had someone unhappy with uh, the campaign or or how the money was being spent, and HSUS kind of jumped in because you said they have a bigger agenda here uh, yeah. against uh, the the meat industry, right? I, so they I, they, I, they saw I, that I as an opening. Yeah, that that exactly. Although I imagine HSUS jumped in, and then they found somebody who they could spin as mm. as being unhappy. Okay. So, Michael and, Formica and the fact, with the National Pork Producers Council. Thank you very much. Michael, uh, before we let you go, let's talk about, uh, is this the end of it, or, or could there be appeals or other challenges? Uh, there there are um, there are likely to be some appeals. There, there, there's a couple of, of additional steps that they could take, but... Um, I can't imagine that they would go anywhere. They, you could, you could appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, they could ask the court for a rehearing, but this was a unanimous decision, so the chance of uh, of those going anywhere are are slim. I think for clarification, because a lot of people not familiar with the structures of the National Pork Producers Council and the National Pork Board, uh, might wonder what's the big deal. Who has it, and why do there even have to be a purchase uh, from one port group to another? But there are very strict uh, lines of demarcation here uh, between the checkoff side, the pork board yeah. side, and, and the the member side, the National Pork Producers Council, right? That that, that that's correct, and there, there's a long history of this uh, regarding this. There, NPPC is uh, we're based in Des Moines. I'm I'm out of the Washington office, so. I do I do a lot of litigation 
we do a lot of uh, advocacy on behalf of the pork industry, whether that's engaging with regulators or Congress or or going around the world and engaging with other governments to try and to try and develop uh, trade trade deals and, and sell pork around the world. The the pork board is a checkoff organization. It focuses on um, you know research, uh, education, promotion, and and so there are you know there are lines between the, the two organizations. There was originally one organization, and we were split in two, and. And you know, NPPC had created the uh, yeah. I, actually, I think it was Michigan. You know, the Michigan uh, created pork, the idea of pork the other white meat. Um, but when the split happened, it was sold to the to the newly formed National Pork Board. So the campaign goes on. It but it goes to it's now the pork the other white meat owned by the National Pork Board. Uh, rather than the National Pork Producers Council. So while a lot of people... They, they, right? So, they, so this, this gets even into more technicalities, and, you know, way down in the weeds. So technically, um, because of the, this litigation, um, NPPC owns the, owns the pork, the other white meat um, marks again. So HSUS was successful. In you know, in that regard, they were able to, um, they were they were able to broken. Um, we're in process of renegotiating that. Oh, okay. So that that's good to know. I hadn't realized that. So that negotiation has started again, then, right? They're they're on yeah they're ongoing. So what is the significance as you see it of this court ruling? Well, it, so it's significant. One for pork producers because it, it you know, it, it it defends the integrity of of the pork board, but it, it's it's very significant for anyone in any check any any farmer who's producing any commodity uh, and is a member of any checkoff organization, because there's all there's always the checkoff organizations exist for the betterment of the producers that they're serving. There are you know, going to be in, 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 in any group where you've got tens of thousands or millions of people, there's always going to be some disagreement. And disagreement is healthy. And you can have these internal debates. Um, you, you, can't, you can't use your, your disagreement with one thing or another, a, a political or policy disagreement, to say that, you know, that this organization can't exist for the benefit of all the other farmers. And that's really what was going on here, is a humane society was trying to take down, if they were successful with this, they would take down not just the pork board, but they'd take down um, you know, the soybean board, they'd take down the corn board, they would take down you know, the, the beef board, all of them. And so, you know, this is uh, we're, we're we're looking at this as a is a tremendous victory for uh, yeah. for checkoffs overall. In, in addition to the you know pork industry, and there is the significance of this. This was more than just about pork, the other white meat. This was really uh, a suit against checkoffs, right, by uh, livestock groups. Well, this is uh, this is just the latest. Uh, you know, was the latest challenge to checkoffs. We've got we've got members of Congress. We got you know people running for president now who are promoting um, you know promoting legislation that they've introduced. Uh, you know that would ban you know outright ban checkoffs. That would would take away the right of checkoffs to enter into contracts. Uh, checkoffs does research. They enter into a contract to do research. Um, if they can't enter into a contract, nobody's going to produce research for the checkoff. And so, so, this, so I'm clear. This is pork the other white meat campaign. The trademarks and everything. It's back with the National Pork Producers Council, but the, the negotiations the, the are back board, underway. The pork, right? board, the, the pork board is leasing it from us. We we leasing we, we took ownership, but they're they're leasing it from us, and you know they're still able they're still able to use it. Um, hopefully now we can, you know, now that this is behind us, we can figure out a path forward. 
Okay, got it. Thanks for clearing all that up for us, Michael. Appreciate it. A big, a big court victory. Thank you for telling us about it. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Michael Formica with the National Pork Producers Council. So it gets caught up in a lot of the legal uh, uh, language there, but the significance is pretty big there, a win really for, for uh, the checkoff programs against HSUS. Well, the U.S. apple industry is hurting on some trade issues. We're going to get an update on that next. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should. Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, um... Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Battle with soybean cyst nematode. Joining us now is University of Illinois plant breeder Dr. Brian Deers. Brian, thanks for joining us. I was just thinking in this year with all the crop production challenges, SCN is another challenge, a profit robber, a yield robber that uh, sometimes flies under the radar, just not as obvious, not as uh, easily seen uh, as a, a weather event. That's absolutely correct. Here in Illinois, where we have very good soils, we often will have losses from SCN, and people won't, won't see any above-ground symptoms. Plants will look very healthy, but yet there will be losses due to SCN. What you can do is just take soil samples, send them to a testing lab, and they'll at least tell you whether or not SCN is present in the field, and they'll also tell you how big of a problem it is. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Okay, I only have 15 seconds to tell you about Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, the new dicamba premix herbicide from Syngenta. It controls tough weeds and soybeans like Palmer amaranth, water hemp, and grass weeds. Actually, we're going to go longer because Tavium lasts longer. So you get all the power of dicamba plus up to three weeks longer residual control than dicamba alone. Now time's officially up for tough weeds. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology is a restricted-use pesticide. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. 
Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Trade disputes, trade wars have a ripple effect across agriculture, and um, one of those segments of agriculture being impacted is the apple industry joining us now is the president and ceo of the u.s apple association jim bear jim good to talk with you again uh let me ask you about japan is that a market for u.s apples well it's good to be with you mike yes japan should naturally be a market and unfortunately it's not that's why we were Disappointed when the president pulled us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership because we'd be in Japan by now if that hadn't happened. So we're hoping that uh, a new bilateral agreement will get written and agreed to very soon so we can get into Japan. So this may be an opening for you. You're just not sure yet because you've not seen the details, right? Well, we haven't seen the details. They haven't been written and, and released, but uh, yeah, it should be a natural market for us. We have a lot of... Uh, top-quality varieties that they don't have access to there. So we, we know that if that can get uh, that deal can get done, that we can get into Japan. Good. So there's hopefully some good news there for you. Uh, how is the trade war with China impacting the U.S. apple industry? Well, we could use some good news, Mike. Uh, I think this is the third or fourth time you, in the last year that I've discussed tariffs. And just since uh, over the weekend, China has retaliated with another new 10% tariff on apples going into China, so the tariffs there now are 60%. And because of the trade wars, our apple exports uh, are down, USDA just announced, uh, down 27% year over year. That's equivalent to $246 million worth. And net farm income from apple growers as a result of the trade wars is uh, down $588 million. Those apples are overhanging the market and depressing prices. I know that's a Eton 101 that every grower of every commodity, row crop, specialty crop, whatever, everybody understands that. But when you're down over half a billion dollars, uh, that's obviously something that's painful and we need to get back to being able to do what ag does best, and that's ship our products all over the world and, and uh, utilize the modern miracle that is U.S. agriculture. USMCA is also critically important to your industry, right? It is. We have to have Congress ratify that. Um, for agriculture, NAFTA was the best trade deal in history, and we quadrupled our exports to Mexico. We doubled our exports to Canada. So we need Congress to ratify the USMCA and lock in the huge gains that we had gotten from NAFTA. Times are tough all over in ag, as I'm sure you hear from your listeners all over uh, your areas. And it's likely going to get tougher, so we have to uh, get a resolution to the trade wars as soon as possible. And one of the best things we can do is to ratify USMCA. There's not a moment to lose. We're talking with Jim Baer, president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Jim, are you losing producers? Are some having to go out of business because of uh, of the loss of exports and the and business being down? Well, I suspect that we're like a lot of other segments of agriculture that you talk with and discuss. I think we're right at the front end of some really tough times. I think if you and I put it on the calendar to talk again a year from today, I think I'll be able to give you a resounding yes. I don't take any pleasure in saying that, of course, um, but it. It can't continue the way things are going when 
our uh, our exports are down 27 percent our net income is down over half a billion dollars so um i i think that's a logical conclusion we will see more as the harvest is already underway it's going to be our ninth largest crop in history usda tells us the quality is going to be uh, excellent but we just don't have all of the markets that we need, and so I think it's a it's a reasonable conclusion to assume that a year from today we will have seen some growers, probably a lot of growers, exit the market, exit the whole business altogether. I know the labor issue is a critical one for your industry as well. Uh, give us an update there about your growers having the workers they need for this harvest. Well, we never have all the growers that, uh, excuse me, all the all the labor that we need. I talk to growers almost every day who say, yeah, last year I had to leave $100,000 worth of apples or $200,000 worth of apples on the trees to rot because I couldn't get people to pick them. So that's why we use um, what's called the H-2A visa program, brings in uh, immigrant workers that pick the harvest and then return to their country. And Unfortunately, that program is really cumbersome and, and doesn't work very well. But the good news uh, there is that the Trump administration has proposed some changes to make that program work better. Um, we know the president understands it because he uses the H-2A visa program at his vineyards in Virginia. And so we just need that program to work better so that the uh, workers can come in from other countries, harvest the fruits and vegetables that our country depends on, get paid. They pay their taxes, by the way, uh, and then return to their uh, home country and come back again next year. And the reason that too many of those workers stay uh, in the U.S. is I'm not sure if we're able to get back next year and do it again. So uh, we need a good program there to bring in the labor. And that's true uh, not just of fruits and vegetables, but it's also true of dairies and and uh, other confined animal feeding operations and and so forth. They need that labor, too. So it's not a very popular topic in a lot of places, uh, but it's absolutely true. We're either going to import the labor or we're going to import the food. One of the two, we'd rather import the labor. Before we let you go, what's the, what's the best-selling, most popular uh, apple right now? You know, Red Delicious was always up there. Has there been a change at the top? It has. We just announced uh, at our annual meeting last week in Chicago that's changing the Rigolicious was the most widely grown apple in the world for many years. Um, it's on the decline, and probably for good reason. We've got much better varieties that are coming up. The Gala is the, is the number one apple in the United States. The Honeycrisp, which everybody loves, will probably be number one within a couple of years. So hmm. that's good news for us. People want our top-quality apples. Jim, always good to talk with you. Thank you for the update. Thanks, Mike. Take care. President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association, Jim Baer. That wraps it up for today. Tomorrow I'll be at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. Thanks for joining us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. 
At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612. 